nature. <laughs> I did surprise. Um, I am a teacher by nature, and today I just want to talk to you and just share some stories um, from my mother and the women in my life, my grandmothers. Um, I know Mother's Day is a, a holiday that stirs many of our emotions, um, and we all tend to reflect and think about, you know, the women that are important and have shaped us. And so today I'm, I've been reflecting on my own uh, women in my life, and so I'm just going to share. I was going to title it Lessons I've Learned from My Mother and Grandmothers, but then I went back and I changed it. And the official title is now Lessons I'm Still Learning from uh, My Mother and My Grandmother. I don't know that I've quite um, achieved mastery yet um, because I found that when I became a mother, I had to relearn a lot of the lessons that I thought I had learned before. It's one thing to trust God for yourself, but it's a whole new thing to trust God with your children. And not because he can't handle it, but because we know that he often requires our children and us to walk through some difficult situations. And so that's why his lessons I'm still learning. And as you can see, I've already missed my goal. So maybe this will be enough. So here we go. Lessons from my mom and my grandmothers. I could talk about the time my mom took me to her office at midnight before my science fair project was due the next day because I wasn't satisfied with the way it looked. I could talk about how she stayed with me and worked with me and helped me until I was satisfied. I could talk about the way she baked and decorated all of the treats that I spotted in those women's magazines. You know, I had no idea how hard it was and the difficult level I just saw it. And I thought my mom could do anything, and she pretty much can. She made the Barbie doll birthday cake with the Christmas skirt, the pinwheel cookies that I took to my first grade class. I could talk about the time she called my fifth grade teacher and convinced him to let me redo a public speaking assignment because I took a zero out of fear. Um, I could talk about how we three kids used to argue over who had to sit by her at church because she would pinch whoever was sitting next to her. Whenever the, whenever the preacher said something she thought we should pay attention to, she would give us a little pinch. I'm glad I'm not sitting by her today because I have a feeling all throughout this I would be getting pinched. Um, I could talk about her famous saying, anytime when we were teenagers, she'd had enough of our little mindless complaining, she would say, well, kids, the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked, and he just kept on going. So basically, if you didn't have it worse than Paul, get over it. I could talk about all the pictures she would make us kids take if she spotted a plant or something that would make a good photo backdrop. And we always joked that it was actually the scenery that she wanted the picture of, not us. We were just an excuse to take a picture with the plants. Um, I could talk about the clothes she used to sew for Kayla and me. I could talk about how she used to make us redo our beds in the morning because our sheets were tangled and the bed was not smooth. I could talk about how she always knew when something was troubling us when we were kids. 
I could talk about what a comfort and a strength she was to me when the boys were born and had to stay in the NICU. I could talk about all of that and more, but I have two lessons that I've learned from my mom and from my grandmothers uh, that I want to focus on and share today. Now, my mom, her mother, and my dad's mom, they all lived near each other within a 25 mile drive uh, in Oklahoma for several years. Now they are very different people, all three of them, very different. But these two lessons that I'm gonna share today, they have in common. They're all three strong women. They're women of prayer. And we used to joke, we still joke in our family about my mom. We say that God has like a little special telephone in heaven that has her name on it. And anytime she prays, you know, it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world. If mom is praying, the Lord is like, hang on, everybody stop. I've got to pick up the phone and talk to Anita, see what she's got going on today. Because we witnessed several things that she prayed for come to pass. And if she was praying, if she was ever praying against something we were praying for, we, we might as well give up because, you know, mom's prayers were going to win out. And then my dad's mom, as, as you all know, she passed away this past month. And um, when the family got together for one of the memorial services, her kids were all sharing stories. And my dad actually made a statement that stuck with me. And he's, he's said it several times, but he said that she never backed down from a threat to her family, whether that threat was in the natural world or whether it was a spiritual threat. My grandmother faced it boldly. And he and his sisters shared some stories about uh, some experiences they had and in California when uh, there was a, a gentleman that posed a threat to them and I, my grandma I think let him know that um, if, he, if he tried anything she was gonna, it would not be favorable for him at all. Um, and then my dad shared the story just today at Finley when he was a young man, when he was 13 and he went through a time where the Lord was drawing him and he didn't quite understand what it was, but he would wake up in the middle of the night and he just knew he had to go pray. And he would wake up my grandmother and she would take him over to the church, which was like 20 feet or so from their house. And they would pray for hours until dad felt comfortable. And he said that went on for a few weeks and then he, he realized that God spoke to him throughout this and confirmed that he wanted him to be a preacher. He had called him to preach. And so it was my grandmother who had prayed and supported and had been there with him as he was figuring out and navigating what the Lord wanted from him. She definitely was a prayer warrior. She prayed loud. She prayed boldly. I remember one time uh, my sister and I were spending the summer in Oklahoma. We went to the altar. I went to the very side of the altar, and I was just—I just, just kind of hung out, like inconspicuously. And I—I I remember like kneeling down behind this um, uh, step, and I thought I'm good. Nobody can see me. I'm praying. Oh no! My grandmother found me, and she came over. Jana, throw your hands up. Get your head back. I was like, oh Lord. Anyway, so I instantly regretted coming to the altar that night. Um, but looking back, 
on it. I actually do treasure that story because she, that was how she lived. When she prayed, she expected the Lord to meet her. And she had that same expectation for the people that she was praying with. And I appreciate that about my grandmother. Um, my mom's mom. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you to go to the next slide. This is all of us. <laughs> so this is my dad and his mom. And then, of course, my mom, three of us, and then my dad's hand. He's taking our picture. You just can't see the camera. <laughs> it got cut off. But he's taking our picture on his cell phone. And then my mom's mom over here, she is still alive, very much alive. And um, the, this same concept could be said of my grandmother, uh, June, as well. Never back down from a threat to her family. She was a prayer warrior. Uh, my grandparents lived on a farm. They raised eight children. And then those eight children have several grandkids, our generation. So when we're all together, there's, well, a lot of us. Um, but she overcame tremendous odds and went through difficulty in her life as a young mother, um, but still lived for God, stood for truth, and all of her children to this day are living for God. But um, I have one story that just perfectly illustrates this concept. My cousin, Ambria, who's my age, she has four kids of her own. We were all together for the summer at my grandparents, and uh, she was about 30 years old, and she volunteered to go out and pick up sticks from the yard so that uh, another cousin could come through and mow the grass. You'll appreciate this story. And um, so anyway, Ambria, you know, she's out there just collecting all these sticks, and as she reached for one, it moved. And yes, and she realized that it was not a stick, but it was a copperhead. It was a copperhead snake. So she did what any mature 30-year-old mother of four would do. She screamed frantically for her grandmother to come and help her. And so my 80-year-old grandma comes running across the yard with the garden hoe, and she just starts attacking the snake. But the whole time, the whole time that she's attacking the snake, she's quoting scriptures to Ambria. She's, she's saying, Ambria, the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And she said, the Lord has, uh, the Lord has given you power to tread on scorpions and, and over all the power of the enemy. The Lord is going to equip you. And we, we have laughed and laughed about that story. We made fun of my poor cousin. But all of us would have reacted the same way. She's just the poor one that was caught. But um, that story so perfectly illustrates this concept of standing up and not backing down from the threats to your family. Amen. And I'm so thankful for my heritage and for the women in my life who have provided that security yes. for me. Because when I, I listen to my dad and his sister share these stories, and it was evident you know, from them, they're six in their 60s, but it was evident that that is what gave them security. And when I think about my life, it's, it's given me security. And I've, it made me think about my own kids and what Jude and Bennett would say about me years down the road. Would they say that I provided them the same security? Or would they say that I reacted out of fear to situations that were outside of my control? 
when I look at everything that's going on in the world today with my natural eye, and I think about the future that my kids are going to grow up in, it is so easy to just get overwhelmed and fearful by all that is happening. But I'm reassured by these women, because they raise children in difficult times, and I'm also reassured when I turn to the scriptures. Most of the time, I turn to the scriptures after they've been quoted to me from all of these women. Um, but I'm reminded that we're not the only mothers to raise children in dark and troubling times. The Bible tells us of two women who raise children in the midst of an evil world. Jochebed and Hannah. These women refused to back down to the threats that their families faced. They both provided a covering for their babies in the natural world. Jochebed provided Moses a basket, and Hannah made Samuel a coat. But they didn't just provide for them the things that they would need to be safe and to survive in the world, but they also provided a spiritual covering through prayer, through intercession, and through teaching. By the time Moses left Jochebed and made his way to the palace, he knew that he was a child of God. He knew all about the covenant that he was born into, and he knew that he was definitely not an Egyptian because of her teaching and her influence. Samuel grew up in the church, in the temple, in the midst of evil and perverse things that were happening. And I'm convinced that Hannah's intercession and prayer did not end the moment the doctor said, it's a boy. But her intercession and her prayer continued to be a covering in the spirit world for him, just as the coat was that she provided for him in the natural world. And that is what I want to share with us as moms or as parents today. That we can't control the world that our kids are growing up in. This is where my mom would pinch me right here, this whole paragraph. But what we can do is we can provide a prayer covering for them. We can take on spiritual battles and we can teach them to stand for truth. And I know many of us, of, well not us, many of you all have children who are grown. But as a grown child, I can tell you that there is no age limit where your children outgrow your prayers or outgrow your influence. So let's continue. Let's be women of prayer, of intercession, Women who don't back down to the threats, but we're teachers, we're prayer warriors, and we're intercessors for our kids. And the other lesson that these women taught was to anchor my life to the Word of God. I remember right after the boys were born, Clay and I were talking about, you know, traditions we wanted to start with our kids and how we wanted to raise them and I asked my parents, I said, what are some things you guys talked about that you knew you wanted for us? And they looked at each other and just shrugged. <laughs> and they said, we didn't want really to talk about that. And I looked at Clay and I thought, well, now you talk about two people completely unprepared to bring children into the world. And that was Doug and Anita Ellingsworth. They didn't have a plan. Um, but they said, we knew that there was, there's no way to predict what your family was going to get involved in or the situations that would happen to your family. We just knew that whatever situations that our family faced, our decisions 
and our actions were going to be made on the truth of God's word. And that's exactly what my parents have done and these women have done. And it's so important because as women, a lot of times we are often ruled by our emotions and our feelings. I don't know if anybody knows much about the Enneagrams. I'm an Enneagram type six. You know what a type six is? The primary emotion that we are most familiar with is fear. We can tell you the worst case scenario. We can have an exit plan and a strategy for every possible situation that might happen. We are always on guard. And that's not, when you read the word of God, that is not the way that the Lord wants his children to live. And so I have had to take this principle and ground my feelings and ground my thoughts and my emotions to what is true, and that is the word of God. Because the problem with our emotions and our feelings is that they don't always reflect the truth. And as moms, it is possible, probably dads too, I'm not trying to leave you dads out, but it's Mother's Day, so I'll get to you men here in just a minute. But um, as mothers, our emotions are so closely tied to our kids that it is possible to experience every human emotion in the span of two minutes. And that's no exaggeration. I told Clay one day when he came home from work, I said, I know why they say moms are moms make you crazy. Because... I mean, you, you experience it all in two minutes. And we can't always just go by how we feel because it doesn't give us an accurate picture of reality. And I know we always blame women for being emotional, but I'm going to talk about a man in the Bible who was pretty emotional and pretty dramatic. So here, men, this is for you. The prophet Elijah was on Mount Carmel. And he had just called down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice that had been soaked in water. 850 prophets of Baal had spent all day trying to call down fire from their God. And this entire time, you know, Elijah's taunting them. Maybe your God is on vacation. Maybe you should pray louder. And throughout all of this, of course, you know, the fire does not fall. Elijah steps up. And with a 63-word prayer, the fire from God falls and consumes the sacrifice. Then all the eight false prophets of Baal are destroyed. They're wiped out. Then Elijah tells the king, hey, I know it's we're in a famine. It's not been raining, but the Lord said it's about to rain. So you need to go and prepare yourself for the rain. He had just heard from God, seen the miraculous experience the fire from heaven falling the lord used him in a powerful way but then jezebel the queen sends a message to elijah and basically says i'm coming to kill you and without one word from a woman elijah went running in his for his life in fear he ran for an entire day into the wilderness where he collapsed and told the Lord to just kill him now. I mean, after he had, he had just witnessed the power of God, he had heard directly from God. He had witnessed three miracles in 24 hours. But one woman planted a seed of fear in him. 
and he told the Lord to kill him and just take him out. He said, I'm the only one living for you. No one else is even living this life. Just take me out. But Elijah was tired. He was hungry. He was hurting. He was angry. And whenever we're tired, we're hurting, we're angry. When I'm hungry, I'm a totally different person. But when we are all of those things, that's when we are at our most vulnerable. And Elijah is evidence of that. We see that in his life. Elijah was all of those things, and he was vulnerable. But the Lord sent an angel to Elijah to minister to his physical needs. He gave him rest. An angel prepared food for him and woke him up and said, eat. Then he went back to sleep. Then he woke him up and fed him a second time. And once Elijah's physical needs were met, the Lord spoke to him in a still, small voice. He reminded him of his calling, reassured him that he would be with him. And then he said, and by the way, you're not the only one. I have 7,000 people who still haven't bowed their knees to Baal. Elijah's feelings in that moment did not at all reflect his reality. It was when the word of God came to him that he was grounded in truth and was reminded of what the reality actually was. And that is something that my family, my, these women in my family have illustrated so well, that life is a series of mountains and valleys and ups and downs. And the way that they have anchored themselves and their emotions is to the word of God. Because the Bible tells us that forever his word is settled in heaven. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. So whenever our feelings and our emotions threaten us, what we have to do is anchor them to the truth, the word of God. And I've started a prayer journal. My husband mentioned it. I've started a prayer journal. I have many names written down. But I also have started a section where I do this very thing. When I'm feeling an emotion that threatens to overwhelm me, and I know that it's skewing my perception of reality, I write that emotion, and then I ground it with what the Bible says. So whenever I feel fear, I ground that fear in Isaiah 41 to him. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Psalm 34 and 5, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from my fears. Deuteronomy 31 and 8, and the Lord, he it is that doth go with thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Do not be afraid. Hebrews 13, 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I feel anxious, when I feel worried, I go to John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Psalm 55, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. When I'm feeling hopeless or in despair, I go to Romans 15. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. 
Philippians 4 and 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, Isaiah 43, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flames kindle upon thee. When I'm in need, when I feel weak in body and mind or soul, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What shall we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. Matthew 11 and 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. These are from my prayer journal, but it was a seed that was placed in me from these women in my past. And it's what I want to share with us today and encourage us that, yes, the world may look dark and difficult, but let's move forward on what we know, not how we feel. Let's be moms and dads who don't back down from the threats to our family, but we cover them in prayer. We fight those battles on our knees. We put a spiritual prayer covering over our children through our prayers and through our intercession. And we ground our emotions and our feelings in the word of God. Because it is the only thing that is true and that is sustaining. And I have one final section and I'm closing with this. Will you put the next slide up? my mother-in-law, and um, I know that most of you weren't privileged to meet her, but um, she is an influential person in my life. She actually prayed for me when I was 11 years old at a youth camp, and I received the Holy Ghost. She was a lot like these other women. She was a prayer warrior, an intercessor. She never met my grandmothers. She's really good friends with my mom. And that's probably one of the reasons why that intercession and that prayer. But I wanted to close with this story today. She also uh, lived a life. She was a single mom. She raised Clay. She did face tremendous obstacles in her life. She was diagnosed with cancer. But through all of her life, she built her life on the Word of God. And she believed in prayer, interceding. And the picture to the right is at a camp. It's the same camp I mentioned earlier, but that's not me. She was undergoing chemo treatments, you can tell by her hair. But she would come every summer, and she would pray for children that were not her own. Children that she did not give birth to, that were not related to her at all. And she came every summer and would pray and intercede because she wanted them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that was one of her ministries. She took on spiritual burdens that were not hers. And she created a prayer covering for people who were not in her genetic downline. And 
the scripture from 3 John that says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. We take this verse as parents and we apply it to our own physical, natural families. That's not wrong. But if we look at that verse in context, John wasn't writing to his own personal children. In fact, we can't find record if John ever had children of his own. This letter was written to a leader of a church. John is encouraging him and he's praising him for his commitment to truth. And he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. He used the term my children in reference to his spiritual family. And I know that there are a lot of us who may not have children of our own, but when we look at this verse in the Bible and this other, another verse from Ephesians, Ephesians tells us that we are, that we are all members of the household of God. When we enter into that new covenant with him, then we become part of his family, the family of God. So regardless of our background, our family history, our genetics, all of us in the covenant are members of the family of God. And so... Clay's mom was a mother, a noun, but she was also a mother, that's a verb, to nurture. She nurtured other children, again, taking on burdens that were not hers. And her greatest joy was that they would all walk in truth. And so I want to encourage us today, I know that we, are, we all have our own natural families, but the Lord may send us some people who do not have the privilege of years of apostolic women teaching them to pray and covering them in prayer. And we've got to be like my mother-in-law. We've got to stand in the gap for them. We have got to pray for them. We've got to provide that prayer covering and intercede for them as well. Amen. We are to care for his family. We are to mother the verb, to nurture others. That is what enables us as mothers, but it also serves that purpose to take care of his family. So let's stand in the gap by providing a prayer covering for each other and for these who may need it. Amen. Let's link arms with other women. Let's pray. Let's encourage. Let's teach. Let's join other mothers in interceding for their backslidden children. And may it be said of us ladies in 2021. And dads, all in Or men, we're all members of the body of Christ, right? So we can all mother others. But may it be said of us in 2021 that we never back down from a threat to our families, whether it was a natural threat or spiritual, yes. and that we anchored our lives on the Word of God. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. I love you all very much.